Good morning. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. Though the people had returned to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon, they continued to face hardship and oppression. In the language of the Jubilee year described in Leviticus 25, the prophet, moved by the Spirit of God, announces deliverance for those who are oppressed and comfort for those who mourn. A reading from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build upon the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm for today is 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses of the Negev. Those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come again with joy, shouldering their sheaves. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Paul concludes his letter to the Thessalonians by encouraging them to live lives of continual joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. The closing blessing is grounded in the hope of Christ's coming. A reading from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And if you are able to receive the Holy Gospel. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? This is the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Judeans sent by priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent by the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Here are some signs that uh, professionals used. A plumber had a sign, we repair what your husband fixed. (laughs) Um, A billboard on the side of the road said, keep your eyes on the road and stop reading these signs. And at an optometrist's office, if you don't see what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. (laughs) The Gospel of John is a book of signs. Signs are something that point to something else. Uh, They are not important in themselves in other than they point to something else. So John points to the coming of Jesus. And throughout the Gospel of John, you have these signs, these signs that point to something else. And at this time of year in the church, 
Advent points to something else. Advent is not in itself a time of super celebration, but it points to Christmas time. It says there is a time coming, a time of rejoicing, a time of peace. So we too are supposed to be signs. We're supposed to be intermediaries. We are supposed to point to the light, the light that comes through Jesus. We are to point to a time where there will be peace in the midst of this horrible time we live in today where there's so much suffering. I don't know about you, but I listen to the news and I just feel so helpless and I don't know what to do. And I'm sure everybody is feeling that way. In the midst of this, we point to a time where there will be a just peace, where there will be righteousness, mercy, love. We point to that and say, yes, there will be a time ahead. And that's against everything, isn't it? A voice crying out in the wilderness, John says. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. We use that metaphor sometimes about someone who, who speaks the truth, but who no one seems to listen to. No one listens to them. I think of that, that young girl, um, Greta Thunberg, who cried out about environmental disaster. She was a voice crying in the wilderness, and no one seemingly listened to her. She was too far out. John was like that. John was a voice crying in the wilderness. He said, I am a voice crying out like Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah today is also a voice crying out in the wilderness, saying, against all odds, there will be a time of peace. God will be in control. The ruins will be rebuilt. Comfort my people. Those words might sound hollow to us today, but they also would have sounded hollow to those who had just come back from captivity in Babylon and hollow to those who, to whom John was speaking. John was speaking to uh, a disillusioned bunch of Jews who were under the control of Rome. And their very own temple system was paid for by Rome. It was as if the temple and its elaborate, um, elaborate worship and elaborate buildings, they had to pay the taxes for. And these people in the temple were really in cahoots with the Romans. Comfort my people, Isaiah says. John says, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. So people come out from this temple saying, what's this guy about? Who's this prophet? We don't want anyone making trouble because we have a good deal in Jerusalem. Right? Actually, the Romans paid for the worship, the building of the temple, and the worship 
in, in Jerusalem. One, uh, one scholar says as many as 10,000 people were employed by the temple. Well, that's pretty good employment. I mean, you don't want to mess with that, right? Oh, yes, it, 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 it's, it's a terrible appearance, you know, the whole idea that the Gentiles, the Gentiles are controlling the temple. So uh, the Pharisees send messengers out to this John. This John, could he be a rabble rouser? Who are you, they say. Then there's this thing about Moses and the prophet. What's that about? Well, in the Old Testament prophecy, and especially in Malachi and other places, it says, before the Messiah comes, Elijah will appear. Remember, Elijah never really died. He was taken into a, a fiery chariot into heaven. Before the Messiah comes, Elijah will appear, and a prophet like Moses, a prophet like Moses, will appear. You might remember in in a few weeks we will celebrate the transfiguration and Jesus is there on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. The sign that he is the real thing. He is the Messiah. John says, nope, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the prophet like Moses. I'm, I'm not um, I'm not Elijah. Who are you then? Give us an answer so we can tell those who sent us. I am the voice crying out in the wilderness. I am a sign pointing to someone greater than I. I baptized with water. Last week we had the parallel passage in Mark, and Mark says he will uh, baptize with the Holy Spirit. We understand uh, that our, our baptism is baptism of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. John knows who he is. That's important. He could have easily... There were plenty of folks back then who were posing as the Messiah, who were saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. And they were always going into Jerusalem and stirring up trouble. You know, no wonder these people wanted to put down anything that was happening in the hinterlands before it hit Jerusalem. John could have said, yeah, I'm the Messiah. But he knew who he was. He was a servant of the Lord. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. So we too are to know who we are. That we are not God. Well, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who think they are God. They might not say it, but they act like it. They think they are God because they think the whole world revolves around them. Do you know people like that? Maybe you're a person like that. The world does not revolve around us. We are not God. We are a sign that points to God. We are a sign that points to Jesus, that points to that impossible kingdom that has come. We have hope. 
in the midst of hopelessness. That is our role. The light is to shine through us. The, go- the gospel starts out, there was a man named John who came as a witness to testify to the light. He himself was not the light. We know who the light was, Jesus Christ. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. There was someone who said this. I should find out who said it. But as Christians, we are not, and this is a really good one, as Christians, we are not to be judges. We are not to be lawyers. We are to be witnesses. There's a difference, isn't it? We're not supposed to judge. We're not supposed to make ourselves like we can, uh, you know, we know the law so well that we can condemn others. We are supposed to be witnesses. We are to say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I have hope. I believe in the Savior who comes to us as we are, his humans, the incarnation we call it, taking on a flesh. I believe this. This is who we're supposed to be. This is our identity, witnesses to the light. Isaiah says, comfort my people. There will be a time coming when there will be this peaceable kingdom on earth. And John points to, points to Jesus. We still point to Jesus. That is our task. That is our identity. We are not supposed to think of ourselves as God. We are not supposed to think of the world revolving around us. Someone once said, If God is your co-pilot, switch places. Let God be God. Trust in God. That's what we believe against all odds. That God is in control and God will bring about this kingdom. And we are part of this kingdom, not because... We strive for righteousness, but because Jesus has made us righteous by his presence with us, by his incarnation, incarnation meaning taking on of human flesh, by his presence with us, by his cross and by his resurrection, we are assumed into the kingdom. So, therefore, we practice righteousness. We try to do the best we can, and we point to that kingdom to come. One of the best ways to prevent us from thinking of ourselves as God God is by praying, because when we pray, we acknowledge that God is not here, and God is out there. God is someone beyond ourselves. Prayer and thanksgiving are the signs of the kingdom. This is the way for us to witness to Christ's coming to the peaceable kingdom. This is what we look forward to at Advent. Advent meaning coming. And in a way, and Jesus has already come. 
He is yet to come, but he has already come. And he still comes to us in bread and in wine, in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the true body and blood that we receive in a small piece of bread and a small sip of wine. Come then and share in this meal. Amen.